Plenty to talk about in the emerging game this week. The business end of League Two in Nepal, America's sub-regional action, the Dutch tour Africa, Hong Kong international cricket once again, and the return of Anshman Rath, and a bunch of other news as well. You know where to find us because you found us right here. Make sure your friends know where we are too. And of course, patreon.com forward slash emerging cricket for some exclusive content as well. But for now, enjoy another episode of the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Hello and welcome in again to the Emerging Cricket Podcast, live and on Sport FM in Perth. Nick Skinner alongside me, Daniel Beswick, to talk about the week that was and the week ahead in the Emerging Game. Nick, first of all, thank you for uh, keeping everything together and keeping the lights on. How's things uh, in Iceland and uh, and with the pod as well? Well, yes, with, uh, you know, Tim literally flooded uh, by a hurricane uh, and uh, you yeah. are completely you know metaphorically flooded by all the icc figuratively yeah, flooded maybe uh, yeah been been a lonely job but uh, it's been all right i've had a lot of help from uh, from nate hayes and tom grunshaw and uh, got to got to keep things moving got to keep things ticking along uh, there's always cricket going on so there's always got to be someone talking about it i guess um, but yeah Reykjavik's nice it's uh just had a bit of a cold snap but it's a it's a really clear cold snap with his lovely blue skies and um, yeah, it's 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 bearable. It's killing you with a smile. Is that what you're trying to say? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great work on on the pod and and with emerging over the last couple of weeks. The Corey Rutgers chat as well. Uh, sending our best wishes to Tim, uh, who still hasn't gone home in the wake of uh, the two cyclones that went through Port Villa. Last week, um, if you've seen his post on Twitter or us retweeting it on our accounts, uh, the, the officers at Independence Park copped a bit of a battering and um, they're still sort of reeling from, from all of that. So we're sending our best to, to everyone at Cricket Vanuatu and in the wider uh, Port Vila community. As I mentioned, Tim actually hasn't gone back to his house properly to, to sleep in it yet. He's been staying it at the retreat, which is uh, one of his favourite places to, to sit and enjoy a cold beverage on a hot day. But uh, <laughs> I can assure you that, that things haven't been particularly great in, in that part of the world and wishing him and, and everyone there um, all the very best. Let's talk about some cricket that went on over the last week. We've got plenty to talk about. Uh, League Two reaching the business end, and, and I'm sure we'll speak about that in great depth. We had the America's sub-regional for the 2024 Men's T20 World Cup in Argentina, which uh, had a couple of huge moments that dictated who would go on to the regional qualifier later on in the cycle. The Dutch are off to uh, Africa to play South Africa in Zimbabwe in in two series there. Uh, Hong Kong hosting international cricket again, which is good to see, and some other news bits and pieces from around the world. The ACL is underway, well and truly in full swing. Nepal... Uh, qualifying for the Under-19 World Cup as well. We'll get through all that, uh, but we'll start with League Two. And we've come to the final tri-series of the cycle. It's been a really enjoyable competition to follow. Every team playing 36 one-day internationals by the end of it. Uh, We finish in Nepal where they host PNG and UAE. It's actually the same tri-series as the one just gone in UAE. It's a crucial one for Nepal. An unbeaten run, four wins from four, will get them to that top three spot and an automatic passage to the Cricket World Cup qualifier later in the year. If they can't manage that like UAE have failed to do earlier in their home try series just a few days ago, uh, it'll be uh, a pathway of going through the qualifier playoff in order to reach the 10-team uh, qualifier. It's a six-team tournament, the qualifier playoff that we'll talk about in a moment. We know that Oman and Scotland have already locked up the two positions uh, or the first two positions in League 2 to go to the qualifier automatically. Once again, Nepal need four wins to overtake Namibia, who are uh, the clubhouse third position spot holders. I think they'd be quietly confident knowing that Nepal could well drop at least one of four games. Uh, But Nepal at home, they've been off to a rollicking start under uh, coach Monty decide they had the unbeaten home try series to sort of begin his 
tenure. They did lose one match to UAE in UAE. It could well come down to the final game uh, between Namibia and, and Nepal in that final spot for uh, an automatic spot at the qualifier later in the year, Nick. Yeah, exciting finish and, you know, amazing that we've had 130-plus ODI matches and there's still a lot to play for in the very last series. So, you know, a credit to the all the teams in the competition and, you know, as we can see from the points table, there isn't a whole lot of difference between, well, certainly between third and sixth and even, you know, even Scotland are only a couple of wins ahead uh, yeah, at, at the top of the table there. So, just goes to show the great strength of quality in, in associate cricket and, I guess on the flip side, you can see how, I don't know, how badly marketed it is that, that there is not really that much attention being paid to it. But um, yeah, looking at the points table, uh, as as we tend to do ahead of these series, <laughs> there's, there's, still, there's still a lot going on. Uh, as you say, Nepal need four wins. Uh, UAE are eliminated from that, that third spot contention. I'd say USA and Namibia are the world's biggest PNG fans right now. They're, <laughs> they're really... Because PNG, of course, snagging a couple of wins against the UAE really, um, really not well. That knocked them out of the out of the running for third, and and of course, it kind of thrown a spanner in the works there entirely. They probably should have beaten Nepal as well. Uh, we, we we can get to that in a minute, but um, suddenly PNG are looking quite good. Um, so I wouldn't put it past them to win a game uh, in Nepal and and you know potentially upset the apple cart for the home team as well. One of the, uh, I think the important part of PNG's victories is that uh, a lot of people out there said that they didn't have anything to play for with those. And it couldn't be any further from the truth with the qualifier playoff coming up in the near future. It's very important for them to find the winning formula and they've managed to find that. Just a, uh, almost a, a new lease on life. And I know we'll talk about uh, Nepal and their push for the for the top three at the moment. But just to look at, at PNG. It's so important that, yeah, again, they, they find the ingredients of, of putting a few wins together because one day international status is going to be at stake when it comes to the qualifier playoff. And, and just to kind of reiterate how all of that works, sixth and seventh teams in League Two, they basically have their ODI status up in jeopardy in that if Jersey and Canada, uh, if either of them sort of finish above them in, in the qualifier playoff, it means that it's the end of one-day international status for the meantime and, and down to the Challenge League. So it's very important that um, the likes of UAE and PNG find uh, the winning formula. And it's strange, PNG, uh, not 100% sure what it is from the outside. We know that, you know, Carl Sandry is is gone and Mark Coles has taken a, a high-performance manager and coaching role, at least to the end of the cycle, to, to our knowledge anyway. And... Tony Ura has been able to go out there and, and kind of play the way he wants to play very aggressively at the top of the order. Uh, Asad Vala moving down into that sort of number four, five role and, and just being the rock in the middle, which seems to be uh, a, a key aspect of, of what they want to do with the bat. And, and we know there's bowling talent there. And uh, our, our mate, Chad Soper, who, again, I think we can safely say that we're a little bit biased, but his input in, in this team is invaluable, not only with the wickets that he takes, but the lower order runs that he contributes as well. Uh, player of the match in, in one of those wins uh, of late too. But I think, again, just to reinforce the point and, and, and to kind of put it back on, on you, Nick, it's hugely important for, for PNG uh, and their future and aspirations in the game with one-day international status at stake and all the money that goes with that for them to find the winning formula. It's definitely not a case of uh, dead rubbers for them. And then if you look towards this uh, this last leg of League Two, and yeah, again, uh, Namibia will be certainly supporting PNG all the way, but you know they're doing this for themselves as well, trying to nick a couple of games off, off UAE and, and Nepal on this last leg. Yeah, and I, I mean, you look at this uh, PNG lineup and and the match that they actually won. I mean, they could have put on more than two hundred and sixty, which is something we we discussed. Nate and I discussed in the last episode. But you, you know, you watch the game and Tony Euro was going great guns. Kiplan Dariga, who interestingly seems to be playing as a a, a batter only, which yep. I'm, I don't. Yeah, that's that's kind of uh, kind of flown under the radar. But you know, they were none for eighty. They were two for one hundred and. 
you know, 70 or something that, you know, that they, they were really going very well and, and they, they sort of couldn't really put the, the foot on the accelerator and, and finish up and, and get past 300. So that's a concern that even when their batting does click, it, it sort of, that they have this kind of lacking a top gear, although it's the same players, it's the same team as always um, doing this. So is the issue just this, this was a kind of a once in a blue moon performance where they all clicked or, or is it indicating something a bit more uh, substantial? I don't know. Hopefully it's it's the latter for them because, as you say, they're definitely at risk. I would I would put Canada as firm favourites against PNG in a, in a 50 over match at the moment, um, you know, bias notwithstanding. And and um, the, you know, even even Jersey, I think uh, they'd be a pretty solid opponent for this PNG team. Um, you know, you mentioned Tony Ura, and I, I was impressed actually with his performance in the game against the UAE, where you know they bowled out the UAE for 97 with with Riley Hakure taking a five wicket haul. You know, normally you would think a team would win that, but PNG had a bit of a wobble, but Tony Ura at the top of the order there, which incidentally is a return to the top after he, he'd kind of been batting down the order uh, for the last little while. You know, he, he played actually very responsibly, barely had a strike rate of 50 and sort of just nursed that chase over the line. So uh, that's that's an encouraging sign from Tony Ura that he can not only kind of go hard, but but also play a bit more responsibly because you mentioned Chad Soper and his runs. Chad Soper still has a better uh, ODI batting average than Tony Ura, which is <laughs> kind of a, a dereliction of duty, really, from, from Ura. Yeah, so definitely still a lot of questions. But, I mean, honestly, this PNG team, they're such a confidence team. Uh, you, you know, you watch them play when they're playing well. You know, they all get around each other. They're, they're, they're playing for each other. There's so much uh, positivity. It's a very much a, a team that plays as a team rather than necessarily relying on... I know they rely a lot on Asad Vala for runs, but it, it's not so much about individuals sort of within the team culture. So if they've got a better team culture, and you know we've heard about various coaching shuffles and, and you know rumblings of discontent within the squad. So I, I guess if, if they've sort of found that formula, as you say, of, of just kind of having... being in, in a better mental space... That'll definitely flow through to their, uh, you know, on on the field performances. So that's one to watch. Oh, one of the strangest things I think I've seen in in League Two, and this is probably a a reflection of just how poor the rest of of PNG's batting has been over the course of the league cycle. But there was a long time there when PNG posted their two hundred and sixty odd where Asad Vala's 23 was the lowest score of the group. It, it just felt like we were living in a parallel universe. And you're right, I think they are very much a confidence team. And under Joe Dawes, when they managed to find that formula, they were very tough to beat. Um, and we know what happened at the end of World Cricket League 2 in 2019. And Canada looking for revenge at the qualifier playoff, which will fittingly be played out in Namibia again. Um, looking to kind of create happier memories. And again, putting your Canadian biases aside, Nick, Canada probably stack up quite well against a team like PNG. And as you mentioned, Jersey as well, with the individual talent that they have, especially at the top of the order with the likes, likes of uh, Carline, um, Asa Tribe, who's come into the team as a, as a young kid in their bowling attack, and of course, Chuggy Perchard that, that leads the team. They're going to be a, a tough unit, but... Yeah, PNG, uh, great time to, to, to find form. And, and yeah, certainly putting a spanner in the works of obviously UAE missing out on that top three, but but Nepal ultimately or, or potentially as well. Yeah, and just on Nepal, it'll be interesting to see kind of, uh, you know, other cracks beginning to appear is maybe a, a bit of a question here, it, just in terms of their batting, which looked very solid in their home series. Suddenly they're they're back to their usual... You know, one guy scores a 50 and everyone else kind of struggles. They really should have lost against uh, PNG in, in the um, the second match between the two teams. I think they were, they were chasing 100 and, uh, 180 and they were down to, well, what was it, 7 for 105 or something. <laughs> That's much more of a Nepal victory is chasing a small target, collapsing, and then kind of, you know, the tail scrapes them over the line. Um, Bim Sharkey looks to be an interesting prospect, though. Scored 70 against uh, the UAE. Looks good. Um, he's another one of this kind of young, yeah, sort of talent production line that they have. And, yeah, they they, they, they always seem to unearth players who, who look quite good and then, then they don't really go anywhere. So the, the question... Uh, as always, will be, you know, does he stick around in the team? Does he get a decent run? Do they, uh, you know, jettison him at the first sign of trouble? Uh, because yeah, the 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 batting perennial question for Nepal, 
and you know guys like uh, Kushal Mala, Dependra Singh Iree, Kushal Bertel, etc. at the top of the order, once they do get a bit more uh, kind of settled into their roles and, and they provide a bit more stability, Nepal should be a much uh, harder to beat team, even for the top sides in uh, League Two, and and you know potentially even pushing on lower ranked full members. But yeah, as it is, if they keep sort of falling into the same old traps of uh, you know unstable batting orders and uh, <laughs> you know look constant shuffling, yeah, it's it's hard to see where they go. Um, but yeah, Asif Sheikh was very impressive in that chase against Papua New Guinea, and this is something we saw in uh, in the home series was you know there there were there you know there was usually at least one guy who who kind of stood up and and played a disciplined innings and and uh, you know rose above the chaos. So if they've kind of if they found that at least that's maybe one step forward. But uh, yeah, their their bowling's still definitely carrying them. And yeah, how about just Dependrising Iree taking uh, a bunch of wickets and uh, <laughs> doing some backflips? Oh my god. Yeah, they've done the done the rounds on uh, ICC's reels and, and copped a couple of million views, uh, if you don't mind. Kushal Bertel also just nursing an injury and looking like he's touch and go for the, the rest of this series. So hoping he'll be okay for, for Nepal's sake. Again, Bim Sharky, as you mentioned, uh, looks a quality technical player. Um, and again, they're not struggling to find players of that quality at, at such a young age. It's one of the things that Nepal has in its arsenal. It's just a case of the consistency and, and making sure that they have the tools and the match practice to ensure that they can keep developing and not just be the sort of flash in the pan because we're only seeing, again, I suppose, that the second coming of Kushal Mala, who's still so young. And same with Rohit Patel, still such young players who found a dip in form and were in and out of the team because there was just so much chopping and changing over you know the past two to three years don't know what Monty Desai has has put in the uh in the breakfast of uh the Nepali players but it, it seems as if they've, they've sort of worked out the batting philosophy I think it's crucial and crucially important in, in 50 over cricket that because a lot of these teams and a lot of these players have had just such an overindulgence in t20 cricket it's actually been hard to go back and, and play 50 over cricket knowing that you've probably got more time than than you think and it, it's a theme that we constantly harp on about and yeah Nepal have just they they always time their run late we know that um they're never ones to to do the early leading or or make everyone else do the chasing but look they knew that they had uh plenty of home matches up their sleeve in this cycle and and that was where they're going to make hay and again, Namibia will be nervous. Three out of four games uh, winning for Nepal is not enough. They're going to have to go for broke here. And they'll have, you know, the likes of 10,000 plus at the TU ground cheering them on as well. UAE to wrap up sort of League Two here. And a disappointing finish. And uh, we've also seen the retirement of, of Ahmed Raza. And we'll, we'll talk about that in uh, greater detail. I, I think probably just to round out. Um, the UAE chat because he is a man who deserves quite a bit of of recognition for for what he did, especially over the last three or four years of of UAE cricket. We know he had quite a long and distinguished career before that as well, but they're in a spot of bother here. and And the Dubai Sports Ground wickets were slow and and not great for batting. On we know those wickets have seen a lot of traffic with the likes of the ILT Twenty and and other things going on in. UAE, but they look bereft of ideas and, and certainly bereft of confidence. And um, the lack of runs is is quite telling. Robin Singh as head coach, who knows if that's the option going forward. But guys who have been reliable with the bat in the last 12 to 24 months, Frida Aravind is one of those. The runs have dried up for him as well. There's been some bowling talent. And, and in fairness, Ian Khan uh, has played a, a couple of good cameos in parts in League 2 recently but yeah uh, as mentioned in our sort of pre-episode document Nick that they're a side that are just struggling to find the answer and now is not the time for them to to fall out of form because you've got a a playoff coming around in less than three weeks time Um, and yeah if if Jersey and Canada play the way that they, they were playing in Challenge League Canada in particular then UAE won't have uh, one day international status come uh, the end of end of the uh, end of next month or, or the end of this month even. 
Yeah, it's kind of an interesting question. I mean, it, you mentioned Robin Singh there. You know, is his head kind of mentally in the IPL already? I mean, this I, I've I've never really been convinced about this kind of dual role that he has, where he sort of flies in, does a bit of UAE, flies out, does a bit of Mumbai Indians. Yeah, I I, I don't love it when when a coach is not you know not able to fully commit to the team that they're coaching. I don't think that's particularly helpful. So I I guess we'll kind of see how that goes and whether the results. You would imagine, you know, if the UAE end up, you know, back fighting to stay in League Two, I mean, you would, you'd surely you'd think that's the end of the tenure for for Robin Singh. Um, we all know how he came into the job with with Dougie Brown being um, unceremoniously dumped after, you know, rebuilding the team following the 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 match fixing scandal, which you know just completely wrecked their playing stocks. I think it's yeah. You you mentioned the T20 uh, comparison and you know the fact that they they won a game against Afghanistan in that T20 series. Uh, they won very convincingly actually, and and the other two games were pretty close. So th- there seems to be something going on. It, maybe it's more of a mental difference, and and as you refer to the the sort of the difference in uh, you know how you approach the game rather than necessarily lacking the talent because. Yeah, Mohamed Wazim, Richie Aravin both batted quite well in that series, and and here they, I mean, Wazim. Maybe maybe it's just more of a more of an example of a you know in T Twenty one guy doing really well can can kind of carry the team. I don't know, but um yeah, something really needs to change for them if they want to avoid uh, coming in in that sixth spot and you know being at risk of losing their ODI status because I don't I don't see where they're going to beat Nepal in Nepal. I mean, Nepal are a very unpredictable side, but if the UAE are struggling to put up even 200 runs, Nepal should still be able to chase that even with their their batting struggles. So that's a that's a real problem for them. Um, their, their bowling stocks actually look a, a lot healthier. You know, uh, Kartik Mayapan obviously bowled well. I think he was their top wicket taker in this tri series. Um, Ayan Afzal Khan, the the, the young left-arm orthodox who, you know, he, he was playing for the under-19s side in the qualifiers uh, recently, which we, we might touch on. Um, Rohan Mustafa picked up a number of wickets. Uh, Zahur Khan's handy. So, you know, they've, they've got the options with the ball. It's just they never really seem to have enough runs on the board. And you know, where, where are those runs coming from? You look through this UAE card and, and you know, obviously Mohamed Wazim and Vrija Aravind at the top. If they're out of form, that that looking pretty thin. Uh, so uh, yeah, a lot of lot of question marks and a lot of worries for the UAE because they've already crashed out of contention for that top three spot after looking very good. Um, if they do end up sort of falling down into the playoff, potentially losing ODI status, you know that that's a that's a lonely time down in the Challenge Leagues. Canada's done it, and you know it hasn't <laughs> hasn't been great for their cricket. So I don't, you know, th- these last four matches they need to sort themselves out, and and then I guess once they're safer, maybe they can try and uh you know recriminations can can start uh, i would imagine robin singh is probably on the chopping block uh given the results uh, but uh yeah i guess we'll see the other curious thing that happened in that most recent tri-series that's been wrapped up is that cp rizwan handed the captaincy to muhammad wazim in the last match of the cycle and cp rizwan was still in the team and this is a guy who we're not 100% sure what the circumstances were, but he took the captaincy reins from Ahmed Raza. Uh, and since then, Ahmed Raza has played in the team as as an all-rounder and was left out of the, the T20i side at times when they had that pretty poor T20 World Cup run late last year in Australia. And now, after this tri-series and before the last tri-series of the cycle that UAE are involved in, Ahmed Raza has called time on his international career. And it would be remiss of us not to acknowledge again just how important Ahmed Raza's leadership over the last three or four years in Emirati cricket has been. This is a team that in 2019 had, well, they'd been in in rubble and been all over the place after the fixing scandal decimated the team. They went to the 2019 qualifier well and truly under strength in terms of players, but they still managed to, to churn out some great results with Ahmed Raza at the helm. They made a good strong run early in League Two, the likes of Rita Aravind, Kartik Mayapan, Ayan Khan, uh, Alishan Sharafu have come through from the 19s and a successful 19s program into the senior squad under the leadership of, of Raza. And again, he's had a, a long career for UAE. He was so unfairly or, or unceremoniously left out of that 
2015 Cricket World Cup squad in Australia. It looked as if things had come full circle when he was said to be captain in Australia in 2022 at the at the T20 World Cup, only for that late change in the captaincy. And it doesn't look to be a, a coincidence that that was just before the Asia Cup and before the T20 World Cup when those changes were made. Um, and again, we can talk about you know the 12 or so years before 2019, but I think in the last four years, we'd seen some amazing progress from Emirati cricket in, in a large part due to Ahmed Raza. And it doesn't take a genius to work out that the slide that UAE cricket have had in the last six months um, could be traced back to, to him being taken out of his leadership role and responsibilities and ultimately out of the team. Because, I mean, should they miss out on ODI status at the end of this cycle, then you've got to say that all of that effort was was almost for naught. And it's in no... It's through no fault of, of Raza, who, who did an outstanding job as captain, Nick. Yeah, I mean, just winding back, I mean, he's been in the UAE team for 15-plus years now already. Uh, he's only 34, so I mean, you, you would have thought, as a left-arm spinner, he probably had a few more, few more years left in him. But, um, yeah, I guess the team environment, by the looks of it, is, is not, well, not conducive to him thriving, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, he was an incredibly consistent performer for the UAE, you know, for over a decade, and then... You know, when he when he did get handed the captaincy in the midst of a crisis, he he really stepped up and it kind of showed the measure of the man as a leader. The fact that you know he was able to help rebuild that team and and shepherd through the young generation. You know, the guys like Aravind and and Mayapan and and Khan that we're seeing now coming through the the under 19s program. You know, he I think he he expressed some interest in in coaching uh, after you know. Uh, he he's already been appointed as assistant coach of the of the national team. Yeah, well, well there you go. Yeah, so that that'll be a, a great appointment for them. <laughs> I mean, maybe if if Robin Singh gets the chop, uh, Ahmed Raza sort of comes back as a as as the coach um that would what be a interesting turn of, a turn of events but yes I, I think it's hard to overstate raza's importance to this team over the last few years you know, the, the fact you know he was this kind of a constant figure both with uh you know his, his tidy left arm orthodox and, and also you know, every now and then he would contribute with the bat when they got in trouble and uh, i think wholehearted is is kind of one of the words that comes to mind you know he just always gave his all for the team and you know, as a guy who's you know lived in the UAE his whole life, he's he's very committed to the place and to the team, and and I think it showed. And and yeah, one of one of our favourite cricketers for sure uh, in emerging cricket. And um, any listener who's not aware of Ahmed Raza's story should should wind back and listen to the emerging cricket interview that we did with him a, a year or two back. He sort of talks through his uh, his career and his philosophy on the game and and a few other things, and it's very instructive and yeah, very very impressive uh, career both in terms of his results on the field, but also as a leader in terms of yeah rebuilding after a crisis and people's characters are kind of revealed in times of crisis and, and Raza's character does seem to have been revealed through success in rebuilding the team. And also worth pointing out that that his winning record... Oh, it's outstanding. Yeah, n- you know, not not just the kind of uh, leadership stuff, but his, his actual winning record as captain for the UAE is the best they've ever had. So even if you just want to win games, having him as skipper would seem to make sense. So yeah, it's a, it's a disappointing end to a really great career, you know, a real giant of the associate game. Uh, it's kind of sad that he's sort of had to call it quits in this way. But um, yeah, hopefully the, the coaching goes well for him in, in the next chapter of his... Uh, of his career yeah i have to say he he fits the mold of of what we'd probably consider uh, to be a, a good coach so i think it's a pretty logical transition i reached out and offered to help shadow write his uh, autobiography he said that uh, he's waiting until he's no longer involved in any cricket in any shape or form before uh before that that becomes a story <laughs> hopefully that'll that'll be a while yes yeah again good good luck to him and with the final Leg of, of League Two mentioned it's it's crucial that they find their form as well, a la PNG ahead of the Cricket World Cup qualifier playoff. Let's move to some T20 cricket and the Americas sub-regional of the ICC Men's T20 World Cup for 2024. Run and done, of course, we saw three qualifiers come out of that Bermuda, Cayman Islands and Panama, stealing the third spot with uh, third, fourth and fifth Panama, Argentina and the Bahamas all having one win each. Panama were able to squeeze in on net run rate. There was some heartbreak for Argentina come the end of the tournament as well, and we'll talk about that uh, in a moment. But uh, as mentioned, this is yeah the, the sub-regional qualifier, so we move into the regional qualifier, which does include 
Canada, of course, USA have already qualified for the event for next year, considering they are hosting the tournament. I think we can safely say that Bermuda were, were quite dominant here in, in this particular competition. Uh, Kamal Leverock, the man known as Bongi, uh, here, there and everywhere, uh, leading run scorer at the tournament. And then, you know, one of his his long-term teammates and mates, Delray Rawlins, was uh, the most prolific with the ball as well. They were undefeated uh, with a net run rate approaching fives. But I think the competition within the competition was elsewhere. Uh, Cayman Islands were also strong, only losing to Bermuda with, with three wins and that defeat. And then, as mentioned, yeah, Panama, Argentina and the Bahamas fighting it out for that third and final spot at the regionals. A game of fine margins, Nick, as, as we saw for uh, Agustin Rivero, Nick, with uh, that no ball. One of those things that, yeah, ultimately uh, may have changed Argentina's destiny in the, in the form of uh, this T20 World Cup uh, qualification run. Yeah, I guess one of those deliveries that um, <laughs> probably going to haunt him for the rest of his career. Uh, you know, you, you watch back the replay and... Um, you know, there's the tiniest, tiniest little fraction of white behind his shoe. Uh, he's, he's, you know, millimetres over. And that's the difference between uh, going to Bermuda for the regional final and, and staying at home and having to wait for the next event, um, you know, on, on the qualifying ladder. And, yeah, very disappointing end to what was a, an exciting game, very exciting game with um, Argentina pulling back the Cayman Islands. Um, the Cayman Islands really shouldn't have let it get that close, if we're being honest. They restricted... Argentina to 125, and they were cruising the chase uh, with, with Sasha Dialwas and Paul Manning. Yeah, they were you know one for 90 off about 13 overs, uh, chasing 126. You know you you really shouldn't uh, lose from there, and and yet you know a absolutely calamitous collapse uh, through the middle order brought them down. You know Kirschbaum, a miserly spell of of off spin. Uh, in the middle there, uh, Santiago Rossi grabbed a couple of wickets. Um, so a, a good performance, and you could feel the home crowd, you know, willing Argentina on. And and this was kind of one of the the highlights of the tournament. Really, was uh, the facilities were great. Uh, the the home crowd turned out very nicely for for Argentina. So it was a shame that they couldn't get them over the line, and and that you know it's it's a very anticlimactic way to lose a tournament. Is um bowling a no ball and, and uh, you know having having the runs uh, pushed over that way but um you know that's that's the game is it's that's the margins between success and failure in in well in cricket but especially in associate cricket where there's so much to play for all the time looking you know ahead to the regional qualifier yeah it's definitely going to be down to Bermuda in Canada <laughs> i mean <laughs> Panama Slipping in there with only one victory uh, against Argentina, you know Argentina will be kicking themselves for that that performance against uh, Panama, where they they bowled out for eighty odd and and just were not in the game. Yeah, I mean it'll be good for stat padding for the Canadian players to to you know come up against Panama, um, put up two hundred and fifty or something, uh, bowl them out for for not many, but um yeah, I mean Bermuda. Looking at the the stats here, you mentioned Rawlins and. Uh, and, and Leverock, of course, uh, Leverock scored Bermuda's first T20I century. Uh, Rollins hit 250s in you know three innings, didn't get dismissed at all. Trey Manders also batted well for Bermuda, a couple of half centuries in in his time, second on the run charts. Uh, yeah, so I mean, with with the top three batters all coming from Bermuda, uh, it's not much of a surprise that they were so dominant. They really are kind of a step ahead at this level. Uh, good effort, though, from Ednan Fenel from Argentina, who, who topped the wicket tally. Um, but yeah, Rollins also appearing uh, in, in that uh, in that top list. Uh, Levrock as well with, with some handy wickets. Um, so I guess what will be interesting to see looking forward is, you know, will the rest of Bermuda be able to stand up in, in that home regional final against Canada? Because... Uh, yeah, we know the quality of Rawlins. We know the quality of of Levrock. Uh, Manders played well in this tournament, but you know who else is there? Is it just going to be the Rawlins and uh, and Levrock show? And and if so, if if you know if they don't fire, then you know Bermuda might be in trouble. Yeah, it was a theme of Bermuda's Challenge League campaign is when they were missing uh, one or both of those players. It ultimately met meant a huge struggle for Bermuda. They uh, struggled to get to three figures with the bat and and leech runs with the ball and two players who who certainly carry such quality and and 
therefore the hopes of, of Bermuda and you know when you live on an island that doesn't have uh, a huge population it, it's kind of conducive to having one or two excellent players and then the rest of, uh, of the team are, are almost there just to make the 11 or you're struggling to make the 11 so look they'll they'll be challenging Canada and being in home conditions you would like to think that that would help them as well but Canada it would take something monumental for them not to qualify for that T20 World Cup next year in the USA and the West Indies Uh, let's move to the Dutch they're off on a tour of Africa they're playing those makeup one-day international Super League games against South Africa. They're crucial matches from a South African standpoint uh, as they look to try and qualify automatically for the Cricket World Cup uh, and avoid actually playing the likes of the Dutch and others at the qualifier in Zimbabwe. The Dutch also travel to uh, Zimbabwe uh, for uh, a tour of of the country there. Um, They play three one-day internationals between the 21st and 25th of March in Harare as well. Team news, there's a few county shuffles. We know that Basileda has has signed uh, a county contract and won't be available in the series coming up against uh, South Africa, the likes of Colin Ackerman, uh, Brandon Glover also out. In though is Roller van der Merwe, uh, who was such a key player in their T20 World Cup campaign uh, last year. Hasn't played a one-day international for the Dutch in uh, I think since the end of, of 2021. Good to see him back uh, and available in the squad. Uh, Scott Edwards leading the side and taking the gloves. Pretty strong squad in, in fairness. We know that the Dutch have their issues in terms of availability come this time of the year when county cricket takes over and then the men on the contracts are taking part in uh, UK cricket and, and adhering to said contracts but the likes of uh, Vikram Singh there, Max O'Dowd in the squad, Paul Van Makeren, uh in the squad as well, uh, Fred Klaassen, Vivian Kingma is back in the reckoning as well, Tom Cooper, Wesley Barese uh, is a name on the list as well. Plenty of talent, Cherise Ahmad, another player who looked to have found his feet at the, uh, at the highest level at the T20 World Cup at the end of last year as well. Good opportunity for them to, to kind of get their ducks in a row ahead of the uh, Cricket World Cup qualifier in July in similar conditions, not only playing matches in Zimbabwe on this tour like the, the qualifier in June and July, but also playing a strong outfit in South Africa, a team that they do have recent success over, of course, beating them in Adelaide at the T20 World Cup, Nick. And, uh, yeah, good opportunity for players to to get some match practice. Um, we know that South Africa will be looking and gunning for, for victory, assuming that they know all about Cricket World Cup Super League. There's no confirmation that they do, by the way, because they forego that, uh, those three one-day internationals against Australia, and it might just cost them an automatic spot at the World Cup. But from a Dutch perspective, it's uh, an important tour here of, of South Africa and Zimbabwe. No, I think I think you're very aware of it. Uh, Bavuma, I think, was was talking about it after that series against England, uh, where they picked up some crucial points. England are definitely the worst offenders for not uh, being aware that the Super League exists. <laughs> um, we've, we've heard some interesting comments from people like Joss Butler complaining about how there should be some kind of a uh, you know context and structure to bilateral ODI cricket, uh, n- not realizing that there was until it was recently cancelled. Um, but uh, yeah, we we don't need to get into that. Um, yeah, I guess the the fact that it was cancelled though is is kind of really takes a lot of the sting out of this series against Zimbabwe because, you know, with looking at the points table, <laughs> quite possibly if that uh, last spot on the ladder was as you know as previously envisioned, if that had been, uh, you know, putting you in the relegation zone, this series would be very important for the Netherlands because they'd be trying to uh, leapfrog Zimbabwe and and get out of the the last last spot and and keep themselves in the Super League. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, not to be. So it's basically just an exhibition series against Zimbabwe. You know, it will still be some value in in playing that, and and of course, uh, the Netherlands. You know, they always want opportunities against full members, so that's that's good for them. Um, yeah, as you say, decent squad. Um, missing obviously Bastilada, but uh, other than that, you know, not too far off a full strength team. Uh, Tim Pringle is missing as well, but you know you, you can't expect him to to necessarily be available all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to see how Roloff van der goes because uh, last year at the World Cup he was really struggling with his back, 
but then you know he seems to have found a new lease on life with his success in the in the South African domestic T20 competition. So uh, hopefully he's uh, he's definitely recovered from that. I mean the Netherlands should definitely fancy themselves uh, for a, a you know a win or two against Zimbabwe. South Africa will be interesting because. Uh, South Africa's automatic qualification to the World Cup is on the line, so it won't even be sort of the opportunity, the typical opportunity for an associate to kind of, you know, mug a full member who's not really paying attention. This will be, you know, South Africa will be bringing their A game <laughs> if they're trying to stay uh, out of the qualifiers. Uh, so that'll be a, a pretty good test of where the Netherlands are at is, is you know, how do they go against a, a full member who's you know, really, really trying. Netherlands uh, take on Zimbabwe in three ODIs, as mentioned, from the 21st to the 25th, and then travel to South Africa. Matches in Benoni and Johannesburg on the 31st of March and the 2nd of April. Uh, International cricket returning to Hong Kong this week, which was good to see at the Ting Kuang Ground, uh, Mission Road. Uh, Anshi Rath, I think the big story here, uh, making his return to the Hong Kong national team. Uh, it looks as if the dreams via India domestic cricket and India representation uh, looks like that that dream has all but ended. But for Adisha's loss or of India's losses, Hong Kong's gain. Good to see him back in uh, the red and black, looking as dashing as ever, the left-hander for Hong Kong. An ex-captain of the team as well, uh, Nazakit Khan, is the man at the helm. Makes that team look much stronger now, especially with that top order with uh, Nazakit, Baba Hyatt, as well as Kinchit Shah, Izaz Khan, uh, looking at a dangerous outfit. And they are favourites to take out that home quadrangular series, uh, also featuring Bahrain, Kuwait and Malaysia. Uh, just the one day of action we've seen as we are recording wins for Malaysia and the hosts. Malaysia actually winning, uh, chasing down their target against Kuwait with six balls to spare and uh, Hong Kong holding Bahrain off in a 15-run victory. Great watching cricket once again in Hong Kong. We know that fair break is around the corner and will be there as well. But just good to see. I think Angie Rath back in, in Hong Kong colours. We, It's probably a little bit disappointing that it hasn't worked out for Angie in India. But from an associate point of view, uh, associate cricket is much richer for having Angie in it. And he, he showed uh, glimpses of, of what he's capable of Probably not a score that he'll be particularly proud of, but certainly from from the brief action that we did see of him today, he'll be making runs for for Hong Kong over the coming years. Once again, he's only 25, Nick. You know, he left at 21. He was already captain of the team and had been in the team for seemingly for an age uh, before he left. So plenty of years ahead of Anshi Ratha in Hong Kong colours, and uh, I think we're we're so much richer for for watching him do it. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a shame. I mean, he didn't score a whole lot of runs for Adisha, but he also didn't really get much of a go in the team. He was seemingly dumped after one first-class appearance uh, in, I think, in January this year. I think he scored maybe 150 for them in, in the in the one-day stuff. So it seems like a lot of time to have gone over there and and you know put a lot of effort into trying to make the team, and then they just sort of cut him after you know not giving him much of a chance. Yeah, disappointing end to um you know to his dream of I don't know if if the plan was to represent India or to to just to play as kind of a local player in the IPL, um, but either way uh, that doesn't seem like it's it's on the cards at the moment. Um, although <laughs> funnily enough, India's um India's top order is really struggling at the moment. So I mean they could probably do worse than than a guy like Angie Rath providing a bit of a bit of solidity there for them. But um yeah, good for Hong Kong. This quadrangular series is. It's kind of uh, it's an interesting little uh, maybe a warm up for the the ACC Men's uh, Premier Cup, yeah. which is coming up next month, and will be a, a qualifier basically for the Asia Cup. Uh, Hong Kong playing against several of these teams uh, in their group, um, and you know the winner of the tournament uh, next month will will qualify for the Asia Cup. So probably some some kind of practice here. Bahrain, Malaysia, and and Kuwait, the other teams joining them. Uh, yeah, so so it will be interesting to see how they go. As you say, Anchi Rath, you know, added to that top order makes it look a lot better. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, as is Khan's good form from the Challenge League seems to be continuing. Hit 42 off not too many deliveries and and took a couple of wickets as well. 
uh, Nizakat's, you know, carving people over <laughs> over point. That's just uh, what he usually does at, at the top of the order there. And uh, yeah, Baba Hyatt back in the team as well. So I think there's a positive signs for Hong Kong ahead of um, you know ahead of that Asia Cup qualifier. Again, we're recording this as this tournament goes on, but you would think that uh, the hosts would be favourite. If you look at T20 rank, he's actually quite close. I think Hong Kong is 21st, and then the other three teams are between 25th and 28th. And the other thing to probably add, not only with the Asia Cup around the corner and the ACC uh, Premier's Cup, but also T20 World Cup qualifying in the Asia region. There's two sub-regional qualifiers. There's a West and an East qualifier. And then, the, uh, of course, the regional final as well. And there's only two teams that qualify out of Asia in a, a cutthroat uh, region for, for this cycle, given that EAP have one automatic qualifier and Americas essentially have two with the United States automatically in as hosts. And Canada, you would think going in that Americas qualifier, it makes it very difficult for anyone in Asia to qualify two spots for the likes of Nepal, Oman, uh, UAE, uh, as well as Hong Kong. Uh, I'm probably forgetting someone such as is the quality. You know, Singapore on their day would probably pose a challenge as well. So that's just off the top of my head. Plenty of, of competition in, in the region. So vital that all of these teams get some good work in and, and they ensure that they get the most out of it. Uh, Virandeep Singh was player of the match in match one for his all-around effort with uh, bat and ball in, in their game that win over Q8 in match one as well. That uh, tournament is available uh, on ICC TV live and free uh, fan code in India and I think on the Hong Kong uh, YouTube channel or Facebook page as well uh, if you're trying to catch some of that. A couple of other things to round out the week, Nick. Uh, just quickly, Nepal qualifying for the under-19s World Cup after getting through their region. I suppose just to, to quickly wrap on that, um, again, showing that the uh, conveyor belt of Nepali cricket well and truly continues at the youth level. They've never had an issue finding young players who perform well at this stage. And uh, it's good to see them after a lengthy absence from the tournament. Yeah, and they qualified in very exciting fashion. You know, the, that, that match against the UAE, you know, Nepal bowled out for 191. The UAE seemed to be cruising the chase and until young Depeche Kandel, uh, left-arm orthodox spinner, of course, uh, um, grabbed a five-far uh, took a hat trick in in his last over to yeah to round out the match and um, finish off the UAE chase. So brilliant effort from Nepal. Uh, always great to see them playing at uh, under 19s level. Um, not a whole lot to really criticise the UAE for. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's really tough in these situations where you know you you lose one game by seven runs and that means you're not in the tournament for you know for the whole cycle. But yeah, some some good talent coming through. Obviously, Ayanaf Khan, who's already made his way into the senior team, uh, a couple of other guys for the UAE who've who've been, um, you know, kind of in and around the the fringes of the senior team. So their production of talent is is coming through very nicely as well. Uh, Dev Kanal, who I think has played some senior cricket for the Napoli team as well, was was skipper of this team. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And yeah, obviously uh, Depeche Kandel. Um, you know, it's not like Nepal are lacking in spin options. Um, so hopefully they can they can unearth some seamers. But uh, yeah, Candel one to watch. Yeah, Dev Kanal has uh, mentioned already 10 one-day internationals for Nepal has made two ODI 50s as well. So, you know, you have that experience from a Nepali point of view and they should perform well uh, in Sri Lankan conditions early next year in that tournament. Definitely a team to watch. And, and we know that that... Competition lends itself to some upsets. We know uh, even on the women's side as well because teams just kind of are put together and the pathways to under-19s international cricket are different from from country to country. It it makes it quite difficult to gauge and sometimes you do get uh, a few surprises here or there. So team to definitely look out for in in some favourable conditions. Uh, some other news that is going around. Saudi Arabia won uh, the Challenge Cup um, and progressed with Bahrain to the Asia Cup qualifier as well. We know that uh, Bahrain are, are featuring in the uh, Hong Kong Quadrangular Series as well. Probably just highlights that 
quite a concentration of, of strong international cricket, you know, on the on the western side of the Asian region in the Middle East. So congratulations to them. Moving to Scotland, uh, a new head coach at the reins of the men's national team uh, on an interim basis. Doug Watson uh, takes over. We know that, that Shane Berger has left. He's joining Somerset uh, in county cricket. Doug Watson um, has been previously coach of, of Namibia as well, so does have international experience and has worked for New Zealand in times gone by as well. Uh, yeah, and just that um, announcement that they had uh, on, on the Scottish uh, socials explaining the decision, I thought was quite interesting. Um, you know, they kind of sort of listed all the qualities they were looking for and, and how uh, Watson fulfilled them. And so I thought that was good. And one, yeah, kind of an interesting little uh, sort of tidbit was that several senior players were sitting on the uh, selection committee for the coach, which I think is uh, an interesting step and makes a lot of sense when you think about it because, you know, obviously this guy's going to be working very closely with the players um, over the next little while. Uh, so, you know, getting input from, from players around someone that they think they can collaborate with, you know, it makes sense to me. And, and that was, a, yeah, an interesting little uh, little bit of information. To wrap up this week, we'll talk all things European Cricket League. There are still two weeks to go in the competition, including the all-important finals week, but we will look at the group action that has been run and done so far. Hornchurch taking out Group A over the likes of Darmstadt, who did top the round robin only to go on and not win the final Hornchurch of England going on to win in Group A. Farmers in Jersey were also able to sneak through from their group, Group B, in spite of Svanholm uh, topping the group with four wins from four. Farmers went on to beat Svanholm in that group final. Looking at Group C, and we've seen uh, Beveren of Belgium uh, go on and advance from that group as well. Three more groups are yet to be decided. Those group winners or the winners from those groups will go on to finals week to join the others as well as Pack I Care Barcelona, who are the defending champions in the competition. That's everything in the Emerging game this week. For more, log on to EmergingCricket.com. On behalf of Nick Skinner and myself, Daniel Beswick, enjoy the rest of your week wherever you are in the Emerging Cricket world.